Paranormal Perception is brought to you by Paralink, the new social networking site for paranormal enthusiasts by paranormal enthusiasts. Create your free account at Paralink.com today. The show is also made possible by Alien Soda Company. Visit AlienSodaCompany.shop for all things out of this world. And keep listening to find out how you can get 10% off your order. Paranormal Perception is about to be conjured into existence by 22 Creations Multimedia, LLC. 517 Scanner Control. 517 Scanner Control. Ladies and gentlemen, would you please be seated? Our program is about to begin. Paranormal. Beyond the range of normal experience or scientific explanation. Perception. The process or state of being aware of something. Paranormal perception. Not the same old paranormal. Welcome to Paranormal Perception with Henry San Miguel. Henry is a 46-year paranormal experiencer and a 39-year broadcaster. Yeah, he's seen some things. Featuring Hero and Sean Clan from Unearthing the Supernatural as the show's spiritual counselors and co-hosts. Unearthing the Supernatural is a team of Native American warriors trained in the ancient way of spiritual combat and healing. In other words, they really know what they're talking about. This is not the same old paranormal. You must unlearn what you have learned. This is Paranormal Perception. everybody welcome to another episode of paranormal perception hope you all had a great and productive week by the title of this episode you'd think i'd be turning the microphone over to hero and sean clan and that they would be sharing some of the teachings from indigenous elders that's not the case however i'll introduce you to another form of elder in a couple of minutes paranormal perception we'll be right back Welcome to Paralinked. This is the social media platform for paranormal engineers, investigators, and enthusiasts. Paralinked went live in 2023 with the mission to allow the collection of paranormal evidence throughout the globe. Join your new colleagues at Paralinked.com, and you will become part of the premier paranormal community. It is the definitive home for online paranormal studies and irrefutable paranormal evidence. I got a question for you. Was it your dad who introduced you and started your interest in the paranormal? Well, Sunday, June 18th is Father's Day. And what better way to thank dad for getting you into the spooky than to give him something uniquely him from Alien Soda Company. They make pop culture and paranormal themed art, posters, t-shirts. They got coffee mugs, license plates, shower curtains, and a whole lot more. I'm sure you'll find something for dad on there. Visit AlienSodaCompany.shop today and get something for dad. You know, the, the one who started your interest in the paranormal. And here's something else. Use coupon code PERCEPTION at checkout for 10% off your order. They ship anywhere in the world, but hurry and order it today to get it in time for Father's Day next weekend. Remember to visit AlienSodaCompany.shop and use coupon code PERCEPTION for 10% off your order. Alien Soda Company for all things 
out of this world. If you're a fan of the paranormal world, then you'll love WLTK DB Talk Radio. Talk shows bringing you the latest on everything paranormal, cryptozoological, metaphysical, true crime, psychic readings, and more. The truth is here and now on WLTK DB Talk Radio at WLTKDB.com. You have questions. Many questions. What does not the same old paranormal sound like? Do we have answers? You have many questions, and though the process has altered your consciousness, you remain irrevocably human. In other words, keep listening, and you decide. This is Paranormal Perception. I'm sure you're going to have a lot of questions after this interview. Let me introduce you to Jim Willis. He is a theologian, historian, musician. He earned his bachelor's degree from the Eastman School of Music and his master's degree from Andover Newton Theological School. An ordained minister for over 40 years, he served as an adjunct college professor and guest lecturer in comparative religion, cross-cultural studies, and contemporary spirituality. His background led to him writing 20 books on religion, the apocalypse, spirituality, and arcane or buried cultures, specializing in research bridging lost civilizations, suppressed history, and the study of earth energy, dowsing and out-of-body experiences. You'll hear him on various radio and online programs, including Coast to Coast AM and the Paranormal Podcast with our friend Jim Harold. Now, he can add a paranormal perception to the list. Welcome to the show, Jim. How are you doing? Good, good, Henry. Good to be with you. Yeah, good, good to have you here. So, so we, we'll talk about your new book in the next segment. But first, let's let's start. Tell me about your your early career before you started writing the books and you began this 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 journey after your retirement. Tell, tell me about what you were doing before all of that. It was it. <laughs> it has been quite a journey. Uh, when I got out of college, <clears throat> I, I thought I was going to be a musician, and for a while I was a professional musician. But I also taught uh, music in high schools. And I, I just had something calling me, something beyond. I, I loved the music. Uh, I didn't like to practice, but I loved the <laughs> performance. I loved the uh, you know, being together with an audience and and doing something, creating something unique. But there was something else that was just calling me. And about um, three years after I got out of school, I uh, had a conversion experience. I had always been involved in church. I was a choir director and my family was always involved in singing in church choirs and that kind of thing. But I had a, a pretty profound um, religious experience. And so I decided I was going to seek it out. I went off to seminary and I had the idea when I went to seminary that uh, I was going to get out and I was going to become maybe a, a church pastor or something like that. And I had the idea that we were going to join a community of like-minded seekers, people who were interested in spiritual growth, people who wanted to ask the the big questions of life. Who am I? You know, what are, What is the purpose of life and all that kind of thing? It didn't turn out that way. I probably should have known better this. Um, you know, I was naive, I guess, and I didn't realize when you became a pastor of a church, what you really became was a kind of a CEO of a small corporation. And so 40 years went by. Uh, I still tried to 
keep my interest. I still tried to, I, I taught uh, cross-cultural studies. I taught world religions. I studied Hinduism and Buddhism and of course, Christianity and Judaism, Islam. Um, flirted with uh, Zen Buddhism for quite some time and Taoism. Um, but pretty soon, 40 years went by and, and I didn't feel any closer to what brought me there. I didn't feel any closer to God, although I hate to use that term God now because it has such baggage that when I say the word God, I'm not sure that people who hear me use it are thinking the same thing I'm thinking. I, I was thinking in terms of more consciousness and source and all that kind of stuff. So at any rate, the life just kind of flashed by. I, I know I did good work. I had good feedback. I've got a lot of uh, letters in the medicine, in the uh, cabinet behind me there that, you know, let's say, yeah, we appreciate what you did. But when I retired, I didn't just want to become a, uh, a former minister. I, I still didn't feel that I had grappled with what I had gone into the ministry in the first place to find. And that's a spiritual identity. Um, I had a, an idea in my head that I wanted to, to, really wrestle with God. So when I retired from ministry, I moved up to the woods of uh, South Carolina, uh, had to build my own road to get back here. And uh, of course, I brought in a cable. So I, I mean, so we could have computers and all that kind of stuff. But it's pretty primitive when you come right down to it. We had to, you know, I had to drill my own well and, and uh, you know, put in my own septic system and do all that kind of stuff. So to conform everything to code. But out here, uh, I want, I wanted to go on retreat and I did my, my whole life. I had planned on spending one year in retreat in the woods somewhere and just watching the seasons change and trying to get in touch with the source of all things, trying to get in touch with spirit. And lo and behold, that one year has now turned into, well, almost 16. Mm. And I find myself back here still days go by when I don't see anybody or hear anybody. Um, I try not to listen to too much news, although I want to keep in line with what's going on out there. But basically, it's just been a spiritual retreat. I had in my mind this this verse from the Old Testament uh, when Jacob and Esau, the brothers, of, uh, were uh, separated because of their squabbles, and Jacob had to flee for his life. And finally, later on in life, he decided he had to get back with his brother Esau, and so he came back down, and uh, he didn't know what was going to happen because the last thing he knew, es Esau was threatening his life, and now they were about to reconcile, and he didn't know what was going on. So he did what all of us do. He paced all night back up and forth. Esau was on one side of the river. Jacob was on the other. They had no idea what was going to happen the next day. And uh, Jacob, a strange, strange verse in the Bible. He said, a man appeared to him. And so they wrestled all night. <laughs> and as the dawn began to break, Esau realized he was wrestling with God. And he said the famous words, I will not let you go until you bless me. And uh, lo and behold, Jacob uh, wrestled with God and eventually discovered the nature of the person he was wrestling with. His name was changed to Israel, and he became the the uh, man who really began the whole uh, twelve tribes of Israel. Yeah. And so that was what that was. The verse was on my mind. He said, "I will not let you go until you bless me." I, 
I have to tell you a, a little story to this. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was asked to go over to Cornwall in uh, England and give a, uh, a talk there about the, the uh, foundations, the beginnings of world religions. And while I was over there, I had to go visit this little town called Fenny Compton because that was where my spiritual ancestors who were uh, ministers in the Church of England used to preach, oh, generations ago. They preached in this little stone church in Fenny Compton, and I got a hold of the historian in the church, and I was able to walk up in the pulpit where my spiritual ancestor used to preach every Sunday. And I looked over at the stained glass window that he saw every single Sunday morning when he was over there. And lo and behold, that stained glass window depicted Jacob wrestling with God saying, I will not let you go until you bless me. I didn't know anything about that when I came out here on my own spiritual retreat, but somehow that this, the uh, spiritual DNA of that ancestor made its way down through the generations and I guess infected me. And it's been with me ever since I've uh, lived out here in the woods. And uh, it's just been a, a spiritual growth. Little did I know that uh, God was going to answer my prayer. And I finally found the answer to what I had been seeking my whole life. It didn't come to me through Christianity. It came to me through, of all things, uh, the natural world and shamanism. And that's how I finally discovered the Holy Grail that I've been seeking for my whole life. And uh, that's why I live where I do. That's why I'm going to die where I am. And uh, it, it's it's been quite a journey. I never expected it, but here it is. In, in those 16 years, have you had moments when, when you miss, we'll say, the hustle and bustle of uh, big cities, or are you pretty content it sounds like you are but are you are you really pretty content just being out there on your own yeah yeah i really am i'm i'm very content uh it it does get tough you know after all i mean we all have egos and you get the idea you live out here long enough when nobody paying you any attention and you get the idea that uh nobody remembers and you're you know what did you what did it all mean and all that kind of stuff you have those moments but yeah. that's really a pretty small compared to what I normally experience. Uh, I'm, I'm able to live sometimes 24 hours a day in a in a, a meditation. And most people don't get that, not nowadays. It's too busy out there, too noisy out there. Yeah. And although although it is difficult because, you know, I started writing books. I wanted to start, a, you know, putting out on paper and putting out there into the into the world a lot of the stuff i've learned and now that i'm an i'm an elder after almost eight decades now of this uh, i wanted to put it out there and of course when you write a book nowadays um, it means talking to people it means talking to people such as yourself and it means having uh you know different opportunities to be on podcasts and interviews and radio shows and television shows and that kind of thing so it keeps me tied up, but I, I, I'll be the first to admit that after I have um, a couple of days of being involved in the world uh, through speaking and through talking or public events and that kind of thing, uh, I just get to the point where I, I have to get back to the woods again. <laughs> I have to get back to my meditation. I really do. Yeah, it's, I mean, not... Not that it's a simple thing, but to simplify your your search, we'll say, what are you searching for? Is, is it is it knowledge or is it answers? No, it's not knowledge. Uh, I thought it was when I started out. In all my life, 
Uh, I've been a left brain intellectual kind of systematic theologian and that, that wasn't it. Uh, knowledge doesn't do it. I think somehow in this day and age in which we live, um, we have traded away wisdom for knowledge. We put knowledge up on the throne and to my way of thinking, it's a false God. Um, just knowing more is not going to do it. I was looking for the essence of what it is to be one with the source of all things. And that's a spiritual quest. That's the quest for the Holy Grail. And I think the, the more we go on in this world, the less I see of that. We worship knowledge and we tend to get rid of wisdom because you can't put wisdom on a bumper sticker, you know, and it, it takes thought and it takes meditation. It takes time. So that's what I was really after. I was after a connection. I wanted to know who I was, what I was, what the purpose of life was. And of course, through dowsing, I began to find earth energies. And then I began to discover the whole spiritual realm. And I began to have out of body experiences. And um, that led me to in, down quite a different path. So you might say, in my old age, I've traded knowledge for wisdom. And now that I look back on it, I'll take wisdom any day. Yeah, yeah, definitely agree with that. And now, as like you, you just said, you're an elder now. As one of our elders, do what do you see as the biggest roadblock to, to spirituality, understanding our purpose in life today? Uh, probably... Uh, it, it probably has to do with the idea of um, we have stopped listening to elders. And I'm not saying that as an elder who feels he's pushed aside or anything like that. We've stopped to, we started to worship the wrong gods. It's too busy nowadays. It's too loud. We never were meant to live this way. Um, we were never meant to have this kind of stimulus and it comes at us from all over the place and we don't even understand it anymore. We don't understand technology. I mean, look at, look at the cell phone, for instance. People say, Oh, I'm techno savvy. No, no, no. You know how to push buttons. That's all. You have no idea how when you push a button on your cell phone, it goes off to a, a tower and then goes up to a satellite and then comes down to somebody's server and into their own cell phone seconds. And they may be a half a world away, but they get their, your, your signal within second. Nobody knows how that works. And we've somehow started to think that the people who count, the people who are most important, are the people who understand that kind of thing. And I just don't feel that's true anymore. I think it's the people who seek for the the metaphysical, the paranormal, the supernatural. Um, that's who we really are. And I've just seen, believe it or not, it's really interesting, Henry, we're talking like this because only in the last couple of weeks have we seen some of these um, signals coming back from the most technological thing we've ever done, and that's the James Webb Space Telescope. And all this technology, and what is it teaching us? That none of our knowledge makes any difference. We maybe have been wrong about everything, about what life is and what the, what, the, what is the meaning of this life. And is it really physical life, or is the physical life merely a temporary, illusionary manifestation of the spiritual life? That, I think, is the most important thing. And maybe... Maybe, just maybe, our technology will bring us back to what I think our ancestors knew all along, and that's what's really important. 
one thing that really scares me, and we've done episodes on here on uh, Paranormal Perception about it, and the listeners know where I stand on this, and I know you've probably seen it, is artificial intelligence. Everyone is touting it as the the, the next big thing. This is what's going to make do everything for us. It's going to make every life easier. I don't think so. Now, do you see it as, I'll put it as the, the final nail in humans' curiosity or, or, or thirst for knowledge? Yeah, I, I, I agree with you 100%. I think the human race stands right now um, at a crossroads. I think we are right smack on the pinnacle. I've lived through the 60s and the 70s when we thought everything was falling apart. I have never seen the divisions that we have right now. And I'm absolutely convinced that our intellect is not going to bring us through. As a matter of fact, our intellect may have brought us to this point. I think we stand right at the cross piece and I'm not going to say that we're taking, going to take the right, the right step. We might, we might yet become the next lost civilization. I mean, our technology <laughs> might be the end of us. Uh, just like Plato when he was talking about, uh, uh, the, uh, Atlantis culture, whether you believe that was a, a, a metaphor, whether you believe it was history at this point, it doesn't make any difference in our conversation. The important thing is he said it was human hubris. That brought that down. They lost the divine which was within them. And they started to think their own intellect was more important. And they started to worship at the wrong altars. And they were destroyed in a day and a night. I can see that happening to us. I think we're right at that precipice right yeah. now. No, I was going to say, you, you just described us right now during this time. <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> You're doing important work, Henry. You keep it up because uh, bringing together a community who can see things in this way is is one of the steps that will help us go down the right road. Yeah, I mean, when we do the episodes, when we did the episodes on, on uh, artificial intelligence, I, I said, we unfortunately, we can't stop it. Too many people are, like you said, they're, they're worshiping the wrong people. Artificial intelligence yep. is the one yep. thing that they're worshiping now because you can search better, you can search quicker, you can make a better yeah. book, make a better, you know, whatever it is. My answer, and, you know, I guess I'm the old guy when it comes to this conversation, my answer <laughs> is always like, why can't you guys just do it yourself? Why can't you come up with the yeah. better mousetrap, yeah. better book? Yeah. But it yeah, makes it easier. Right. Though, so I don't know. Well, when I, when I wrote my book, we're going to be talking about that soon, I guess, uh, Cosmo and me. Uh, it's about a, how a seeker managed to overcome the obstacles within the last seven decades. And um, back in the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, you can start to see this develop. And you can start to see that we live in a dualistic world. Uh, there are good things to all this stuff. Make no doubt about it. Technology can be used for good purposes. The problem is, is it used for good purposes? Have we exceeded our grasp? I think Probably we have. We are dealing with forces and powers that we don't understand. And until we get that feeling of who we are spiritually, who we really are at, at heart, I think we're headed for a tough road. I really do. Yeah, I think I said on, on those episodes, the one good thing I see coming out of artificial intelligence, artificial intelligence probably will cure cancer. So when you apply it to medicine, to health, maybe you'll find some good mm. there, but everything else, I don't see any good in, in that yeah. medicine. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we are, I believe physical manifestations of consciousness, uh, consciousness able and willing. And the purpose of it is to uh, view itself 
And you can't find that artificially in human invention. You just can't. We can mimic it, but every time we've tried to do that, we're at the same level now, I think, with artificial intelligence that we were when Einstein and the others were working on uh, nuclear uh, possibilities. Yeah, It has some wonderful things, I suppose. Yeah, you can power cities and all that kind of stuff. Whether that's a good thing, too, I don't know. But at any rate, um, look at the evil it has accomplished in this world. Look at the threats facing us right now. Uh, pretty, pretty scary stuff. Pretty scary stuff. It is, yeah. And actually, you mentioned uh, in an answer that, that to a question that I was going to wrap up this segment with, but I'll ask it anyway. Um, you said this is the most divided you've seen the country, and so yes. let me let me turn it around. Is do you see any way that we can come back together at this point? Critical mass, I think, is about it. The only way we can do it is if enough of us. Uh, can begin to see the forest instead of just the individual trees and see that we are one. If there are enough of us who can do that, maybe we can shout down the opposition. Do I see that happening? Well, I don't see it yet, but uh, who knows? Things can change overnight, maybe. I'm I'm hopeful, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm worried. I really am worried, Henry. Yeah, yeah, you, you and me both, and a lot of the guests they say the same thing that they, they also are worried. So, yeah. So we mentioned it a couple of times. As I mentioned in the intro, Jim has also written twenty books. After this break, we'll talk about the latest book. Stay right there. This is not the same old paranormal. Paranormal perception. We'll be right back. Alien Soda Company is where you'll find a variety of paranormal and pop culture themed t-shirts, art, and other awesome gifts. Designed by paranormal researcher Ken Smith, you'll find something that is uniquely you. Coffee mugs with UFO and alien designs, cryptids, ghost hunting, and more. And it's not just coffee mugs. You'll find posters and art for your home or office, even shower curtains, with a Ouija board, Bigfoot, or other paranormal design. New products are added regularly, so visit AlienSodaCompany.shop today and browse through all of their products. Just for Paranormal Perception listeners, you can use coupon code PERCEPTION at checkout and get 10% off your order. You can use that code as many times as you like, for grads or dads, or just for you. Visit AlienSodaCompany.shop and use coupon code PERCEPTION at checkout for 10% off your order. Alien Soda Company, for all things out of this world it's been a very busy week week for me so i have no idea if there was a full moon or what's going on but something's going on there's been a lot of drama on social media don't you wish there was a social networking segment especially for people like us you know those who have had actual paranormal experiences who watch the paranormal tv shows listen to podcasts research strange topics because we're actually interested not because it's october well, there is. It's called Paralinked. And the best part? It was made by paranormal enthusiasts like you and me. Create a free account and you can start meeting and making new paranormal friends from all across the country. Really, all across the world, as it is online. Visit Paralinked.com today and start your free account. Look for Paranormal Perception. We're on there, too. We'll definitely be your friend. And I promise you, no drama from us. Visit Paralink.com and start your free account today. Where'd you learn that? MIT? No, actually, 
I picked that up reading books. You should try it sometime. It's fun. Actually, you can learn a lot from a book, especially a paranormal book. This is Paranormal Perceptions Book Club. Jim's latest book is called Cosmo and Me, A Seeker's Journey from Religion to Spirituality. I have a link for all of you to buy it on on our website. But Jim, explain explain who Cosmo is, first of all. Cosmo is just my own term. Um, I began to have a hard time using the word God. I did all my life. And it occurred to me, oh, years ago, that when I say the word God and somebody else says the word God, we may be talking about two separate ideas. And, and God is just a term that's supposed to describe something. So the question is, what is God supposed to describe? I'm much more comfortable with Hinduism, for instance, to talk about, that talks about, uh, Brahman. Um, Brahman is the idea that I use when I talk the word about Cosmo or when I use the word God. Brahman is, uh, cannot be described by words. Uh, Brahman is, uh, beyond our categories of thought and categories of language. Language was invented to be using, uh, to be used on our side of the metaphysical fence, on our side of our perception realm, uh, this side of the Higgs field where energy takes on mass. And so language just can talk about things that are over here. And I was interested in going beyond that. So I stopped using the word God and I started using the word Cosmo just to be funny at first, but it caught on after a while. Uh, it, 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 it goes beyond the idea of the religionists or the non-religionists or the secularists or even the religious secular, secularists. So when I say Cosmo, I'm talking about all that is. I could very well use the word source. For instance, uh, uh, when when the Hindus used the word uh, Brahman, however, they they coupled it with another Hindu word, Sanskrit word means means uh, Atman, and Atman is within us. Closest English word we can get to it, I guess, is soul or spirit. And the great breakthrough of the Hindu rishis six thousand years ago, when they said Brahman and Atman are one, thou art that. And I began to see that when I talk about the word cosmo i'm not only talking about just the universe i'm talking about the consciousness that sustains the universe that created the universe and then i'm talking about the idea that that cosmo that unity that consciousness is also within us we are manifestations of it uh, and i even found i found it in christianity although i didn't understand it for you know both the old testament and the new testament has the words know ye not that ye are gods and I began to say, yeah, that's who we are. That's the essence of life. All of the cosmo out there really isn't out there. It's all at all. It's in here. And if we're going to take a journey out to find the source, we're never going to find it. In order to find the source, we have to take a journey in, inward. That's the way to find the Holy Grail is to go within. And so that's what I mean when I say the word uh, Cosmo, all of that that is not only out there, but in here, understanding that there would be no out there if it were not for the in here. Does that make any sense at all? It does. Yeah. No, I was thinking, yeah, maybe, maybe I should start using the word Cosmo. Cause yeah, the way you explain it makes, makes perfect sense, actually. Now, one thing that some of us think we know, what is, what is the difference between religion and spirituality? Or is, is there a difference? 
Yeah, I think there's a big difference. I really do. Uh, when I used to teach uh, world religions, I used to teach about the foundations of every religion. On my YouTube page, uh, I have a, a whole um, YouTube on uh, video on this that uh, it, it is is involved in. Uh, well, I, th- I think I call it "One Ring to Rule Them All," <laughs> because the founders of literally all of the world religions. Uh, especially the monotheistic religions, but also of Buddhism. Can't say it quite so much for Hinduism because Hinduism isn't a religion. It's a family of religions, but it all began when somebody, a founder, whether mythical or real in history, had a vision. He glimpsed outside of himself and saw something that was unique. It was a spiritual experience. And he tried to teach that vision to his followers. And as the years went by and the decades rolled by and the centuries rolled by, his founders, almost in every single case, took that vision, that spiritual vision, and turned it into a religion. Religions are all about walls. Visions are expanding. There are no walls to visions and and spirituality, but religions have walls. They have doctrines and they have dogmas. And uh, eventually those doctrines and dogmas turn the thing around to where many religions today are 180 degrees opposite of what the original founder meant. Um, For instance, let's take Christianity because I'm so familiar with it. You know, Jesus talked about love, love one another as I have loved you, love your neighbor and all this kind of stuff. And somehow that love got turned around through doctrine and dogmas and we found ourselves dealing with the Crusades or with the Inquisition or with the Conquistadors or with the Salem witch trials, all done in the name of the founder who would have been appalled if he could have come back and seen what happened. So I think there's a there's a big difference between religion and spirituality. Spirituality is the essence. Religion are the walls that were built around that original spiritual vision and often completely obliterated it. Now, I'm not saying that all people who are involved in religions are, are, are bad or are wrong or anything like that. I found, and I still find, I still call myself a Christian, even though I haven't been inside a church for 16 years. I still believe that with religious systems, you can find that essence of the founder, but you just have to be willing to block out all the dogma and doctrine stuff and really look toward it. Uh, Joe Campbell had the best, I think, uh, illustration of this. He used to talk about spirituality is is the hardware. That's Cosmo. <laughs> That's God. Yeah. And the, all the different religions are software. And you can use any one of that software to penetrate to the meeting of the thing. The trouble is the software don't talk to each other. You know, they, they don't work if you mix them and match them. And that's happening with religion in our world today. Um, we have only have to look at our own political structure right here in the United States and find out how intertwined with religion that has become. And you hear these religion leaders, uh, religious leaders saying, um, keep your Bible in one hand and your gun in the other and that kind of thing. You know, we've heard that within, yeah. within the last year. Uh, nowhere near the original spirituality of the founder. Yeah. No, you made me think about Joseph Campbell. You mentioned him there because I am a big Star Wars fan, and, and, uh, and George Lucas was a big fan of, of uh, oh, Joseph yes, Campbell's yes, writings. Yes. 
But I, as you were saying that, I was thinking, have we ever, maybe you know, have, has, has Joseph Campbell ever said anything about Star Wars? Because George, I mean, the Force kind of could be real. I mean, there's people today that yeah. want to make Jedi a religion, but did Joseph Campbell ever say anything about how George took his oh, his writings yeah. and created Star Wars? Yeah, he said a lot about that. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, those famous interviews he had with, um, um, oh, what's his name? Bill, uh, Bill Moyers, hmm. uh, back in the 70s, I guess it was, maybe the 80s. Uh, those famous conversations. They had that conversation. It was on six uh, episodes of on, on PBS. They held those interviews out at George Lucas's uh, ranch, uh, out out at place. And and uh, Joe Campbell really believed that the original Star Wars idea told the story of the hero's journey better than anything. He said he hit the cycle perfectly. Uh, he very much appreciated what uh, George Lucas has done. And George Lucas, of course, said there would have been no Star Wars without Joe Campbell. Yeah. 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 You got me thinking about that when you mentioned Joseph Campbell. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do, do you describe yourself as a, as a spiritual seeker? Yes. From the very beginning, um, I've alluded to this a lot in the past. I, I wasn't drawn to religion because of the, the political structure of it or because of the cultural thing or anything like that. Although I'm sure that all added to it because that's been a part of my life for my whole life. But I always saw that what we were, should be involved in is, is really a search for the Holy Grail. And by that, I mean the essence of spirit being one with God or one with source or one with consciousness. When in, in the, the myths of, and in the stories of the Arthurian legends, when Percival and Galahad went out to find the Holy Grail, they, you know, they weren't looking for something to believe in. They already believed. They were looking for something tangible they can hold in their hand. And that's what I was looking for. I went to religion, um, not to try to, uh, satisfy some kind of cultural need. I went to religion because I felt that playing peekaboo with God just doesn't do it. If, if God could speak to people in, in, in the past, if he could speak to the people of the Old Testament and speak to the people of the New Testament, I figured he ought to be able to speak to me as well. And, uh, so I was interested in something that I could really connect and understand. This is who, in essence, I am. That, to me, is what a spiritual seeker is all about. Now, being a spiritual seeker, you're going to go all over the place and make a lot of wrong turns, and you're going to follow a lot of dead ends. And I did that in my life, even though I was involved in a lot of religious work and teaching work and music. I found as much spirituality in music as anything. And yet, uh, I never had the feeling that I was getting really what I wanted. And I think it was because I was looking for a knowledge. I was looking for an understanding. I was a systematic theologian. I was trying to put together all these different ideas and try to figure out that I could intellectually find my way there. And I can't. Nobody can. You have to find it within. Um, if, I, I'd love to tell you about a, a, a dream I just had last week. Um, I had been having a lot of nightmares recently, uh, relatively recently. And they've been with me on and off for the last 15, 20 years. And in these nightmares, I'm always um, lost in a, a factory someplace or a, a busy place where people are always busy building things and there's noise and confusion. And I, 
I can't find my way out. And I had two of these one night, just a couple of weeks ago, two of these visions, these dreams that it, they were so bad. They were, it was such terrifying. I had to get up and turn on the lights and walk around the house. I had to go outside into the softness of the evening and look up at the stars and try to remind myself where I was. And I was just so petrified after those two dreams in a row that I just didn't want to go back to sleep. And so I went on my back porch and I had a, a meditation. I used my dowsing rods too to try to get some answers. And while I was out there, I, I just asked for help. I put out a prayer to whom it may concern. Can you help me with this? And I got the answer definite. Yes. And I was somewhat comforted. So I went back to sleep again. And almost, I was only asleep for about an hour and a half, but I had a tremendous, vivid dream. And in that dream, I was, uh, again, lost, trying to find my way out. But this time, I found myself on the banks of a river where there was a raft. And I knew somehow in that dream, all I had to do was get on the raft and push out and let the current carry me. And it would carry me through all the noise and the confusion and carry me home. There was no paddle on the raft. There was no motor, no oars, nothing like that. And I got out on that raft and the river took over and just carried me. And it was so comforting because it, to me, it was an answer to prayer. It said, that's the way to get through it all. You can't fight it. You can't try to understand it. Um, you can't try to intellectualize it. You have to get on the raft and let the water carry you home. Row, row, row your boat. Life is but a dream. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically what it was. And I like that. Yeah, I like that actually. Um, you mentioned it in the last segment. Uh, you know, you being an elder, and we we don't listen to elders for whatever reason. What 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 do you think they can offer elders? What they, what can they offer of significance in, in these changing times? Because uh, I I know, you know, we all say it. Well, grandma doesn't understand cell phones. Or, yeah. uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. That, well, but they do you, know a lot you, more. So you've hit it. You've hit it right on the button. Yeah. Uh, we live in a day where tech rules. Let's face it. Uh, everybody is interested in the latest techno gizmo. And, uh, uh, it just, it just rules our lives. And let's face it. Uh, elders don't understand tech. Uh, when I was young, uh, when I was in, in grade school back in the 50s, uh, we were lucky to have a television set. And when we did, we didn't even understand it. But I mean, it was a black and white television set. And, and tech has just come along and changed so fast. And nowadays, we worship at the altar of tech. The people we really expect, uh, really, really respect, they're the ones who understand it. They're the ones, the movers and the changers, and they can make it all go and everything else. Uh, elders don't want to use technology necessarily they maybe will talk to their grandkids perhaps but uh not only don't they want to learn it they see it for what it is they see it for what it's done because they've experienced the change to people who never knew what it was like to live back in the 50s and in the early 60s and not to compare that with what's going on now we have given up a lot of control over our lives and uh, nowadays, a simple trip to the store involves busyness and turning on a radio or talking on the cell phone all the way there and all the way back. It's tech, 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 all the way to the store. Back in the old days, you wanted to go to the store. You hooked up the horses. You got the family on the back of the wagon. You went down this dirt path. You were in control of what you were doing, and you understood it, and you understood where you were going and what you were doing. 
and you were taking the time to get there. Nowadays, that's gone. Our attention span is gone. Our our uh, people don't read much that you know read that much anymore. Um, and unfortunately, that gives the idea that to to younger people that oh, elders don't understand the text. So what's the sense of listening to them? They don't get it. You know, they're not with it. Come on, get with it. Um, <laughs> even AARP magazine is encouragingly uh, elders to learn how to use a cell phone so you can be in touch with your kids mm-hmm. instead of telling the kids, hey, why don't you put down that cell phone? Go over to grandma's house. Go over to grandpa's house. Sit down in front of them. Have them tell you stories. That's for thousands upon thousands of years, millennia. That's how wisdom was passed on to, in the human race. It's only been within the last 50, 60 years that uh, that's been replaced. The wisdom of the elders has been replaced. Unfortunately, um, we're to that point right now where, quite frankly, and I hate to say this, but it's true, a lot of elders uh, have never grappled with the important things. So a lot of elders, just because they're old, doesn't mean they have wisdom to offer. And that comes through time and time again. We patronize these kinds of people. They're people who never really grappled with a lot of the meaning of life. They never grappled with spirituality. They just kind of accepted it. That started back in the 50s when the company said, we want you to be a round peg and a round hole. We'll tell you what to do, how often to do it, how quick you can do it. We'll put you on an assembly line. And wisdom just kind of seeped out of our out of our culture. So I think our salvation is going to be in finding those few people who have understood what it is, not just to live a long time, but to learn while they're living that long time. Those are the real elders. And I look for them. I search for them. And I find them sometimes on the Internet. I find them sometimes in my life. But they're getting to be a breed apart. And uh, we... To our own detriment, we're going to miss them when they're gone. You know, one one thing I'm I'm from what's called uh, Gen X, Generation X, and and we're the we're the smallest generation. The biggest being millennials and Gen Z. I think is the next biggest. They, I I see us Gen X as the last generation. I can't wait until we're we're elders, honestly, because I think we're the last yeah. ones that are going to be able to to give any kind of advice. This is how you yeah. fix. Uh, this is how you change a tire. This is how you do this without yeah. needing to go on YouTube or. You yeah. know, something else to find out how to do it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my fear, and one another thing that I don't know if you've noticed this. Uh, one thing I have noticed, as you were saying that, there is a really sad trend that I'm noticing. Uh, kids, while they they may visit grandparents every now and then, when grandparents pass away, a lot of the kids don't really know their grandparents' story no. because no. they never bothered to, like you said visit them and sit there and hear the stories hear yeah. about when they were kids it's just oh look grandma look at look at my facebook look at my this look at that look at this meme look at that so they yeah. went now when the sad part is when when older when the elders die they really are dead because yeah. i've always yeah. said what keeps you with somebody still alive is the memories that you have that that's exactly why i wrote the book cosmo and me um when I, I it, it had come on the heels of another big book that I just wrote for Visible Inc. called American Cults. And when I wrote American Cults, I had to get down in the muck and the mire of cult-like behavior and some of the terrible things that cults have done. I needed a palate cleanser. 
And I feel disassociated. Now, granted, some of that's my own fault because I live out here in the middle of the woods and nobody comes out here to see me. <laughs> but I wanted to write something that would last, that would outlive me. So Cosmo and Me is quite is, is the most personal book I've ever written. It's it's really a, a kind of a memoir. It's an autobiography. But it also is what it was like to be a spiritual seeker during the last seven decades of American history, which means it's also a bit of a history book. And I think when people read it, they're going to be kind of surprised at uh, uh, some of the things that I, I bring up in there, because I don't want to just say I did this and I did that. I, I don't want to make it an ego thing. But I did want to say that when I was living in the 50s, this was the culture. When I was living in the 60s, that was the culture. And I followed it through through those last seven decades. I wanted the story out there. So when I'm gone, at least the story will continue on. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I do that not with a book, but I do that with you know my kids. When in storage, we have a lot of boxes with some letters that my dad used to write my my mom. And they 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 ask, Dad, why do you keep that? That's also because, like I said a minute ago, that's the only thing left really from your grandfather and your grand. This is this who they were. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely absolutely correct. I, and I think this has happened before in American history. Some of my books about uh, ancient history talk about some of the things they left behind. And I'm talking about some of the great megalithic buildings, mega, me- megalithic construction that was here. I really believe that they are the memoir of a lost civilization that props perhaps came to the same point we did. Maybe not the same kind of technology, but they had a different kind of technology that is now lost. Nobody knows how they built the pyramids. No, how they, nobody knows how they built some of those great, um, uh, unbelievable stone structures in, in, Meso, in uh, uh, South America or Peru or in Central America. Nobody knows how they did that. They had, they had kinds of understandings and, and, and technologies that are lost yeah. forever. We'll never know, uh, but we see the results of them. So hopefully those boxes that you've got stored in your attic, Henry, they might be just the the artifacts that somebody's going to need someday to understand who these people were, what they felt, why they felt that way. Uh, I'm thinking the way the way the way the world is going, it might be the blueprint to start the new world when yeah. when they get rid of well, this. Well, that's world. that's really interesting. Uh, um, I have written quite a bit about Gobekli Tepe and uh, Karahan Tepe over there. And I, I really think that they had the blueprint too. They, I don't think they just got up one day and said, Hey, let's start moving megaton boulders all over the landscape. <laughs> I think they inherited it from a previous civilization that was lost yeah. and gave them the blueprint to build. And with the coming of Gobekli Tepe, we started having agriculture. We started having writing. We started having symbolic thinking. Our own culture was started. Our civilization begins, I think. Right there in the plains of uh, old ancient Anatolia in eastern Turkey, and I think it began because somebody left a blueprint of how to begin again. Yeah, yeah. So the book is called "Cosmo and Me: A Seeker's Journey from Religion to Spirituality." As you just heard, definitely one you've got to have in your collection. I have a link to it on the show description. Description, Jim. Give them the website uh, and everywhere where they can, where they can follow everything that you do. Oh, oh sure. Probably the easiest thing is just go to my website, jimwillis.net. 
And uh, on that website, you'll find in the lower left-hand corner of each page uh, a link to my Facebook page and also to my YouTube page where uh, my daughter and I, my daughter handles all the technology. <laughs> she, uh, when when you have to be a writer nowadays, you can't just write books and you, know, you have to know the technology to get them out there. And she does all that stuff. And uh, she's got a web page set up. If you go to the web page, uh, all the books are there and all the reviews and all the, in- and you can just click on them. More important than anything else, there is a contact page. You know, you and I can talk to each other like this. We have no idea who's listening in. And I love to hear from people. I love to get feedback, pro and con and all the rest. And there is a contact page so you can contact me. And so far, at least I've been able to answer just about all the, uh, the emails that come to that contact page. So I'd love to hear from you. I really would. JimWillis.net. Yeah, and as always, I'll have it linked up on the show description. Just click on Jim's name. It'll take you right there. So thanks a lot, Jim. It was an interesting conversation. We've got to have you back again, and we got to go an entire episode. Because, Anytime, Henry. I'd love to. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of things we can talk about. So, Jim, again, thanks a lot. And like I said, you're welcome back on the show anytime. Thank you. I sure appreciate it. Good to talk to you. Pay attention. Crystal Arona is about to share words of wisdom, inspiration, warning, exactly what you need to hear. Let's visit Crystal's world exclusively on Paranormal Perception. Hi everyone, it's Crystal again. Summer is just a couple weeks away, but it's still spring. So I wanted to refer back to some of the card decks that I prefer to use during springtime, which I've mentioned to you before. I pulled from the Llewellyn Fairy Tarot and also from Magical Messages from the Fairies. What I came up with is not a full tarot reading for you, it's just some quick magical guidance. The first card I pulled is the Queen Reversed from the Fairy Tarot. Queen Reversed is showing us a warning to be conscientious of our work, or we will make mistakes with unpleasant consequences. Tread carefully in all you do and be present. And the Magical Fairies card is telling us to walk away, leave unhealthy situations and enjoy the new doors that open up as a result. Remember what I've said in the past about receiving these messages in a positive way. Just be aware of the guidance. Don't be afraid of it. Don't be sad. Just use it to your advantage. Just be aware of it. Look out for anything that's in your way and be conscientious, just like the card says. I have one surprise for you. I did pull a bonus card and I'm not even kidding you guys. This card is also from Magical Messages from the Fairies and it's telling us to get some exercise. I don't know if it's because I mentioned that summer's coming up, but as your body becomes stronger, you begin to feel stronger in all ways. So this is a perfect time if you're trying to get in shape or just clear your mind or get that bomb body going for summer. It's right around the corner, but you still have a few weeks to lose a few pounds or tone up or whatever you want to do. Definitely start doing that now. Somebody wanted us to know that and not just me, you guys too. (laughs) So if you guys want to have a reading with me or learn more about what these cards can mean for you or any other cards, check out my Instagram. You can DM me there. Check out my highlights and my stories. And until next time, have a magical day and don't forget to go for a walk. Follow Crystal Arona on Instagram, crystals underscore world. Crystal will be back next week for another journey through Crystal's world, exclusively on Paranormal Perception. The entire show is just grown men 
walking into abandoned buildings going, What's that? That's the show. Come on. Oh my God. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together. That's hysteria. Everybody calm down. The paranormal doesn't have to be scary. It can be enlightening and funny too. This is Paranormal Perception, not the same old paranormal. So I think we took care of the enlightening and the uh, previous interview. Now, like I said, let's talk about a scary movie. I know you all like watching those. On Saturday, June 10th at 12 p.m., if you're in the Marina del Rey area of the country and you feel like watching a good scary movie, Make your way to the Cinemark 18 and XD Theater for the Marina Del Rey Film Festival. At noon, you're going to be able to watch Paralysis. It's a horror film that, whose story came out. Well, you know what? I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to let the director, Levi Austin Morris, and Allison Lobel, the lead actress, tell you all about Paralysis. Welcome, Levi and Allison. How are you guys doing? Hi. Hey, I'm, doing I'm, good. I'm doing good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, actually, Levi, let me have you start as the sure. director. Give me the, uh, I guess we'll say the, the, the elevator pitch as to what the movie is about. Sure. Um, Paralysis is a slow burn psychological horror. Uh, it deals with a woman who is suffering from sleep paralysis. And throughout the film, you sort of understand why and what it is connected to in her life. See, he's got it down. That's yeah, yeah. short <laughs> That's elevator rider. <laughs> Um, yeah, but before we get into the film itself, and I, again, this isn't the other show, the Geek Speak show, but on this one, when I do feature TV shows or documentaries or films, you know, I don't give it away either. So uh, tell me each one of you start to actually, Allison, let's start with you, because I think yours came first. Explain what experiences inspired this film, this film. Well, uh, Levi wrote this very cool film about sleep paralysis. And uh, when he asked me to do it, I was definitely on board because I've experienced it myself a few times. And uh, it's one of the scariest things that's ever happened to me. Um, the first time, especially because I didn't know it was happening. Uh, do you want to you want to hear about it? Yes. OK. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say on a show called Paranormal Perception. Yes, we want to hear about it. <laughs> OK, well, um, I woke up in the middle of the night and I was very convinced there was someone in my house, but I lived alone and I didn't know who was there, but I was sure that there was someone out in the living room and I just laid there because I realized I also could not move. And there was this weird kind of buzzing, like kind of like when you have a migraine, like this feeling of just like unease and not being all right. <laughs> and um, then this man came into my room and I couldn't get up and I couldn't say anything. And he sat down next to my bed and he started doing sketches of me lying there terrified and he placed the pictures next to my bed where I could see them and I could look up at these photos of myself looking so scared and he just drew a bunch of pictures and left them there for me okay and, I then, love that. <laughs> and then uh well, wait, wait, wait. before you go on, do you do you remember what he looked like um I couldn't be very specific, but um, yeah, he looked like a, a middle-aged man. Like it was somebody I had not never seen before, um, and he looked dirty and mm. yeah, he just he was not. Did he, did he look real? 
he looked real. He looked like a regular human, which I know isn't everyone's experience with sleep paralysis. But yeah. um, yeah, he just looked like a man that was dirty and you know had sinister intentions. Yeah, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it was very unsettling, and it was the middle of the night when I finally like got out of it, and I was like, okay, there's no one actually in my house. Everything's okay. Yeah. But I did not go to sleep for the rest of the night. I turned all the lights on, <laughs> got my phone out, watched some happy YouTube videos. Um, and yeah, that was really, really awful. And like once I, I think I talked to a few people about it afterwards and realized a little more about sleep paralysis and why it happens. And so, yeah, it's happened a few times since then. It hasn't been as unsettling, even though I've had kind of scarier things happen. I've, I've at least known what is happening yeah. now. Okay. Well, you got to tell those, but before you move on to those, okay. the... I'm assuming that sounds like no, but you, you weren't aware at all about sleep paralysis or any of that be- before it happened to you. I maybe had heard of it. I think my roommate in college said she had it and she's like, I'm sorry, I can't get up in the mornings. I get sleep paralysis. So my alarm goes off like just like, wait, mm. <laughs> like didn't know what she meant by that. I was like, just get up. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're so just I don't being know lazy. She, yeah, that's what that, <laughs> yeah. that I was like. You're not paralyzed. You're awake. Yeah. <laughs> Um, So I'd heard of it, but I didn't know what it entailed. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think afterwards I talked to some people and I realized what had happened and like just the science behind it. And I'm sure maybe there's supernatural elements. But for me, I had to internalize it as like a scientific reason that my body could not get up and that I was imagining this was happening. Yeah. If there was a real being, maybe. (laughs) But to don't me, I had to tell me. (laughs) Well, Um, but yeah, there's it's happened since then. But I've been able to like deal with it better well with the first one i mean the obvious question would be once it was all over and you could move again you can move again were the pictures still there no the pictures were gone and i can't really imagine like going from the paralyzed to i'm seeing all this to suddenly i can move and it's gone i can't really that transition was very like it was immediate but also like it was hard to like state that oh it's done i'm up like it's just it felt like it was still very much there like you're just you're so troubled after seeing something like that that it's just like even though you don't see it you're still feeling the effects of it greatly you know honestly i think it's a good thing that they the the pictures weren't there because can you imagine if they were (laughs) oh my god oh my god yeah i would call the police yeah yeah. (laughs) so scary well when when you started talking about about this to people that you mentioned the scientific and the supernatural did to you which one seemed more believable connected to what to what happened to you um i i don't know i i've always kind of believed in ghosts but i also am so scared of them that i have to talk myself out of it i think that's why i need the scientific reasons to justify it because I'm so scared yeah. <laughs> and well, especially living alone, you know, yeah. it's like you're, you're in an empty house and you have to believe that it's actually empty yeah, and see, that you're yeah. see, this is alone. Per- <laughs> this is the perfect show to talk about this because we'll talk about the movie in a second, but this is again, paranormal perception. Yeah. The, yeah. What's the reason that you're scared of, of ghosts? Um, I'm scared of ghosts because they're the unknown. They, you don't know mm-hmm. what they want. You don't know where they are. Um, I, I, I've told people that I'm less scared of a serial killer cause I can see him and I know what he wants. Sure. <laughs> like you, know you are a solid being, yeah. you're right there, you have a knife and you want to kill me. But a ghost, I mean, even if it has not no sinister intentions, it's just, it's so, 
it's scary because <laughs> you don't know where it is and why. So yeah, it freaks me out. You well, you can also see it as one of two things. One, it's proof that yeah, there is something afterwards, or and second, it's that we're not just this. You know, there's something left over mm-hmm. when when yeah. we're no longer here, and we can come back because because a lot of the we talk about that all the time here on the show. A lot of the ghosts. There's a, there is a difference. I do say there is a difference between ghosts and spirits or entities. Not all of them are demonic. There mm-hmm. are some. You'll be glad to hear. It's very, 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 very rare to deal with demonic entities. Uh, no matter what TV shows tell you, it's very rare to deal with those. But with with ghosts, um, actual ghosts, spirits that you we deal with them all the time. Except you know, life happens. There's so much noise, so much things going on. You don't even notice it. Kind of yeah. like. Living in yeah. California, the, the ground shakes a little bit. We didn't even notice that it was an earthquake. We thought it was a truck going by. So yeah. kind of the same thing here. Um, I'm not saying change your mind about it. I'm just saying, and it, I get that you're alone. Hopefully it eases you, your anxiety. Yeah, about yeah. It. and yeah. I mean, of course, I've lost loved ones, and the idea that they're still with me is a very comforting thought. So, like, an afterlife doesn't ter- terrify me all around because I can think of, the feeling of still having loved ones with me and like mm-hmm. maybe they're here more than I realize. And that makes me happy. But yeah, I don't know. It's the being alone in a house by yourself and being like, is there someone else there and who are they and what do they want? Yeah. Yeah. Well, if, if you're ever inclined to it, you can go even go down the route of, you know, getting the psychic medium and seeing if you can talk to loved ones or, or friends that have passed. Yeah, it's true. And that's happened. That's happened before. I've seen it happen in, in seances uh, with my friend Patty Negri, it's it's amazing what she can bring through. Sometimes without it being asked, they just come in like, "Hey, I want to yeah. tell you about this." Wow, uh, that's amazing. Did, did you experience? Did you have any episodes during the shoot? Um, I don't think I had any while we were filming the movie. Um, but what just I just remembered. Um, it was like twenty twenty one or twenty twenty two. Um, I was still living by myself in this house. And I was just freaked out every night. And I had Levi come over and help me sage the house. Do you remember that, Levi? Yes, I do, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I (laughs) think I was having lots of episodes around that time. And I was just, I was all by myself. And I actually ended up getting a dog. And that has helped substantially. (laughs) And now I have a roommate also. So it's been, it's been a lot better. But um, yeah, I had a, a few episodes in that period of time during the pandemic when it was very lonely and empty in this house. I felt like I was not alone. It was sleep paralysis or something else? Sleep paralysis and just like waking up in the middle of the night and feeling really uneasy. Yeah. And I was like, there is like a bad energy in my house and it's probably coming from me, but it could also be coming from something else. And so I had Levi come and cleanse yeah. the house for me. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. It was really nice. Back in 2020, I think a lot of us felt that during 2020. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I will oh, yeah. also say, though, your house, uh, Allison's house, um, it it makes noises on its own like the floors creak and like it's an older house yeah so like there is sort of uh a little bit of a eerie quality to it you know yeah 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 now as far as the film is concerned if if levi wasn't the director and you know he's a friend also would you have been able to share any experiences you had with with another director i think so i'm not embarrassed by it and i think it makes it less scary to talk through these things it's worse when you're like internalizing it and making it i mean that's kind of what happens to the character in the movie i'm not going to spoil anything but she's alone with this fear yeah and that's so much scary scarier to be alone with it yeah, yeah. 
Well, it's Levi, the isolation for sure. Yeah. Yeah, Levi, you've you've never experienced this before until after um, the shoot. Yeah. Well, so they're uh, they're they're sorry. My dog suddenly has decided to walk around and start shaking. Um, they're <laughs> it's seeing the spirit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there was actually one incident when I was a kid that um, that I didn't talk about last time uh, where um, or on on the other podcast. Uh, but the incident when I was a kid, I, I was in my bed. I was in a bunk bed um, and my sister was asleep on the bunk below me um, and I woke up and I couldn't move. And all I could do was turn my head and I, there was a mirror across on the wall opposite the bunk bed. And I was able to look at my face in the mirror and my my face started to morph. It was changing. And that terrified me. So I closed my eyes until I could start moving again. Um, but that was, yeah. But then my my first adult experience of sleep paralysis where I actually physically saw an entity was after we went through the filming process, after I'd done all the research about sleep paralysis and I understood what it was. Um and yeah, I, I, I was in my apartment by myself, uh, well, with my dog, but I was asleep in my bed and I, I sleep on my stomach, but I always wake up on my back. And it's when you're on your back that you usually get sleep paralysis. Um, and I woke up and I was, I, I realized in that moment that I was in the position that sleep paralysis happened. And so I was like, oh, I need to move. And I couldn't move. And I was like, damn it, this is happening right now. <laughs> like, um, and, and I looked down at my closet, uh, cause that's all I could do. Um, and a, a window formed or like had, was on my closet and there's obviously not a window on my closet, but I could see there was a window and I could see a silhouette of a person behind the window. And I closed my eyes and I was like, Nope, like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not about this. Um, and I, having spoken with Allison and a few other people on our team who have suffered from sleep paralysis, I knew that like there were little things that you could do to sort of pull yourself out. So I was listening to the sounds of the street outside while simultaneously listening to see if I could hear the closet door open. <laughs> um, and thankfully, the sounds of the street outside pulled me out of the paralysis. And uh, obviously, the window was gone. But it like I immediately rolled over and texted Allison. And I was like, this just happened. <laughs> so, yeah. It, I've never experienced this. I've had people on, including you two now, that have ha- experienced it. Is paralysis the correct word? Is, does it feel like that or does it, how does it feel really when it's happening yeah it feels like you are paralyzed and they're also yeah there's kind of like a buzzing feel at least yes. i don't know if you felt that levi but there was like a mm, like you just I, yeah and that was like- actually that was the thing that in my research before like when when i first started writing the script that was the thing that was most um present in in people who suffer from sleep paralysis is that buzzing and I, for a while, I wanted to include that in the film, but I, I chose not to just because I thought it would have been too, too much uh, sound uh, through in those episodes. But, um, but yeah, that that buzzing, and is is something that's prevalent in everybody who suffers. And even in my situation, I heard the buzzing, and that's why I started to focus on the sounds outside. See, I I would have liked that, but then again, I'm a sound guy, so of course I'm gonna say, <laughs> yeah, I want the sound. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I like I said, it, it, people use the word paralysis. I've I've never experienced it at all. So that's why I'm, I'm I always ask everybody, what does it feel? Is it really paralysis? Because paralysis, when somebody's paralyzed, you just can't move. Period. But I always find it yeah. interesting that even though you can't move, 
your senses are still functioning. You can see, you can hear. Uh, yeah. So it, it's just it's just weird to me, really. Yeah. What I've learned, like from the scientific side of it, is basically your body is still in REM sleep, but your mind's awake. Yeah. But you're also still kind of in dream state, which is why I mean, whether it's real or not, you're still mind hallucinating, even though your other most of your mind's awake and your eyes are open and you can see. Um, you're still kind of dreaming. Yeah. Yeah. But your body still thinks it's sleeping. And the reason it paralyzes is to prevent uh, sleepwalking. That's why our body kind of stops its ability to move. So it's a defense mechanism, sort of. Yeah, it's a defense mechanism to stop us from walking while we're sleeping. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, a lot of people subscribe to the supernatural reason. Oh, yeah, why yeah. that yeah. too. Yeah, and I mean, that goes to sort of what um, I've, I've talked about a little bit with multiple folks is uh the, the the people see the old hag or or the man in the hat like that's um very common to see w- one of those and so it's just interesting that those like even if you've never talked to somebody about sleep paralysis and you don't know um you know that the the entities that show up most commonly are the old hag or the the shadow man with the hat um the fact that that is what consistently shows up for people, it's like a little like interesting, and I guess like sort of goes into the paranormal of why is it that that is what people see. So yeah, yeah. Well, that actually leads into the movie to paralysis. Sure. Without again spoiling too much. Yeah. There is a demon involved that also perks up the uh, the paranormal perception audience's ears. Although we've told you guys, and you know they're not here today, but here in Sean Clan, we've said. Don't mess around with those demons because it's not a good thing. But you, yeah. you guys do have a demon in the um, in in the movie. You you talked about it a little bit in the on the other show. And, uh, I think we were off the air at that point. But um, talk about how you researched this specific demon and why you landed on using that one. Sure. Um. So in our film, uh, we we explore the old hag. Um, and, uh, I mean, in my research, uh, I, I already had the actress in mind. I, it's, she's somebody that I'd collaborated with before. Um, and so, uh, I just chose because, um, obviously if it was going to be a a female, I was going to go with the old hag. Um, and so in my research, that's what, or that's what we chose to do. And, um, and then I did a number, I did like a deep dive into demonology research to sort of figure out. Um, I mean, I don't know how to talk about this without spoiling. I'm, I'm like, that's, I'm, I'm trying to like divert around it. Um, but basically, uh, there is a demon that I have specifically chosen because it feeds off of grief and emotion. Um, and that is what our lead character is going through. She's, she's got trauma and she's got, um, this overwhelming, complicated grief surrounding, uh, a situation in her life. Um, and so it made sense that, uh, this sleep paralysis demon, uh, would, would be based off of the demon that I researched, uh, that feeds off of grief and emotion. So you're ready for your close up because what you just said, you're tiptoeing around, you know, how not to spoil or anything. I was, I was telling you guys before we started, that is how the interviews with, you know, when I do the star Wars, the Marvel, the big movies, we can't really talk about anything, so we have yeah. to find, you know, clever ways to yeah. tiptoe around what we really want to say. So you're ready for the big, big league. Oh, so, so that was a success. Good. <laughs> Good job, Levi. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And 
speaking of the film, another thing that makes it interesting, we talked about this for sure on, on the uh, on the other one because that's you know, there's more filmmakers over over there, but here they'll find this interesting also is that it was filmed using iPhones. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so it, we filmed it during COVID um, at the very end of COVID. It was, uh, and, and it like, I knew writing the script that I needed to keep the cast and crew very small uh, because it, there was a very good chance that we would be filming during COVID. Um, and it just seemed easiest uh, to make the film happen if we filmed on our iPhones um, and so we filmed on two iPhones, uh, an iPhone 11 Pro and an iPhone 12 Pro. Um, and there's like really cool lenses and stuff that uh, you can purchase and add on that like add really beautiful quality. Like we, we had both a, a 58 millimeter lens, which gives you a really nice uh, bokeh effect where the background is softer. And then we had a really nice uh, anamorphic lens, which gives you beautiful light flares, but also gives you just this incredible wide angle shots. Uh, which helps with, you know, the feeling of isolation we were trying to achieve with our lead lead character um, because she sort of cut herself off from the world. So um, there was a lot of really cool pros with using a phone because uh, we could get into tighter quarters and get shots that we would not have been able to do with a, a bigger camera. Um, so it was it was a really cool experience to shoot this on a on a phone. Allison, was this your first movie on an iPhone or have you done some before that were shot on the iPhone? Uh, this is my first feature film on an iPhone, I think. Levi uh, directed another uh, iPhone short film uh, a few years before that was called The T. Yeah. And it was very cute and funny. And uh, <laughs> yeah, he's he's awesome at making iPhone films. So we've been working together for a little while. But this is yeah definitely the first feature iPhone movie I've done. And you were in the other one also? Yes, it was a very silly, fun role. Yes, she was. She was basically the clown in the other one. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, that yeah, was a blast. Character. It was fun. To, as as an actress, to you, did it did it affect your performance in any way? Thinking that hey, it's an iPhone, or or did you not even care? I'd say it was helpful in a way, just because usually you have like a crew of like 10, 15 people yeah. surrounding you, and this massive camera in your face, and you have to act like none of that's happening. But um, yeah, it was like a very sparse crew and we just had this small camera and, and yeah, it just felt very intimate and it felt very safe and comfortable to just like believe the story and be, the, be there. So yeah, I think it, it helped in a way. Yeah, we, we talked about that in the, on the other show, how um, in the first Avengers movie, Joss Whedon, he, he filmed a couple, not the whole movie, but a couple of scenes were filmed on using an iPhone. Really? That's yeah. so cool. I didn't know that either. I think that's so cool. I yeah. love that. Yeah. yeah there, it's just, just a couple. If you get, if, if everybody watching, if you go back and watch the Avengers movie, the one scene for sure is the one where uh, at the end when the battle begins, there's a scene where you're, it's the point of view from inside a taxi and you see mm-hmm. it spin around. A lot of people thought it was a gimbal. It, okay. it wasn't. It was actually just an iPhone being cool. turned around. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's very cool. Yeah. On a huge budget film. Yeah. 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 And, and like I said, that was like, I think the original or whatever version they were on, very, very early version, obviously. Yeah. So technology has changed a lot since then. So you can't even, you can't, even, I mean, I haven't seen the movie yet, but just judging by the, by the trailer, it, you can't even tell that it's an iPhone. Yeah, it look, it looks like you used a, you know, a red camera or something. Yeah. I yeah. appreciate that. That's been uh sort of a, um, a compliment that we've received from a lot of people is that they're not uh, aware that, um, that we shot on an iPhone. Actually, our first review, it was a it was a very positive review, and it was exciting to even receive that review. And then um, 
the the guy who wrote the review like i reshared it um and and his review and i commented saying you know this feels really good blah 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 we shot this on an iphone and he commented and he was like i had no idea that this was shot on an iphone mm. um so i was like that's you know that feels very good so yeah yeah i mean we i mentioned it because it's an interesting fact but i, I yeah. like the fact that you're not using that as it's not getting gimmicky is what i'm saying yeah. Where it's not, oh, look, look at the iPhone film. It's actually about the actual story. People yeah. want to know about the story rather than, oh, it's shot on an iPhone. Yeah. And that that's always been my thing is to like me as a as a filmmaker in general is is um, telling the stories that matter to me. And, and so, like, it doesn't matter what tool you use to tell that story as long as you're telling that story authentically and in a very honest way, you know? Yeah. Yes, uh, everybody listening. I know you want to watch it so again. If you're in, if you're going to be in the Marina del Rey area this weekend, specifically Saturday, June 10th at 12 p.m., you can get. I have a link on the show description. You get, uh, you get your ticket. You can watch it on a big screen the way it's supposed to be seen, the way a movie's supposed to be seen. You can enjoy it there. Um, other than that, where else will we be able to see it? Um, we were accepted into a festival in Chicago in August. It's the Indie Horror Film Fest, um, and that'll be August 26th. Um, and so those are the two festivals that we're we're currently uh, in. Uh, we're waiting to hear back from over 30 other festivals. So we update our social media regularly um, with announcements of uh, where we'll be sh- uh, screening. Uh, so you can follow us at, at Paralysis the Film. Uh, that's on both Instagram and Facebook, and we'll post all of our announcements there of where we are screening. Are most of those film festivals, are they, are they all over the country or any here? Because most of the listeners that I have are here in the Southern California area. Okay. Um, we've been in two festivals in Southern California, the Marina del Rey and the Culver City. Um, and I think there are three or four more festivals in the L.A. area. Uh, that we are submitted to so um there will be potentially more festivals in southern california okay and again we have the uh, the website linked up not just for the uh, the film festival this weekend but also for the film itself but for you to go ahead and give a website social media anywhere that you want them to go to check out your work sure allison do you want to go first sure uh you can follow me on instagram at allison lobel and then you can follow me on Instagram at Levi Austin Morris. Both of those linked up. Just click on their names and they will take you there. So Levi, Allison, thanks a lot for coming on. Great job. I haven't seen it, but just, you know, hearing Le- Levi and now you, Allison, talk about it. I'm excited about it. I can't wait to watch it. Uh, and we got hopefully I will hear from you guys on Monday with some good news that comes out of this festival. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having us. My pleasure. Thank you both for coming on. Now, everybody else, let's wrap up by with a couple of things. One, all tickets, all ticket levels for OC Paracon on sale now. Just go to OCParacon.com. That means single day, two day, full weekend, the VIP. They're all, all on sale again at OCParacon.com. Now, I, I, uh, let me make this clear. I got a couple of emails earlier this week asking about this. So let me make it clear if anybody else is also confused. The VIP tickets do not include Tales from Before Creation with Joska. If you want to attend, and I don't see why you wouldn't, if you want to attend Unearth in the Supernatural's Tales from Before Creation with Joska, there's two ways to get in there this year. One, the usual, just buy a separate ticket. Again, those are on sale on uh, ocparacon.com. Or the other way is Joska asked Hiro to tell us, 
you can give an offering. And the offering is a donation of a toy, a brand new toy, which will all be donated after OC Paracon's over. It'll be donated to Chalk Children's Hospital of Orange County. So two ways, either get a ticket or if you don't want to get a ticket or maybe it's not in your budget, just get a toy, bring it in. And that gives you admission to Tales from Before Creation with Joska. So you definitely want to be there for that one. Two ways to get in. Again, not included with the VIP tickets this year. So everything, all info, all tickets, ocparacon.com. The other thing, speaking of, we just talked about movies right now. Uh, if the other show that I do, the Geek Speak Show, Volume 2, that one has been relaunched. The boys here in Shanklin, they join me on that one also. TheGeekSpeakShow.com if you want to check those out. I know there's a lot of Star Wars and Marvel and comic book and sci-fi fantasy fans here on Paranormal Perception. So if you want to hear about those movies, you can go over there to listen to that. We also have a video show uh, on, on YouTube. All the links on once you go to GeekSpeakShow.com, everything is on there. So there's the episode, a fun one, and uh, one that hopefully made you think in the beginning also. But I'll be back next week to speak more paranormal. I don't know about what or to who, but whatever it is, you know what it's not going to be. It's not the same old paranormal. While you wait for the new episode, listen to past seasons and learn more about the show on the official website, www.paranormalperception.show. Meet hero Sean Clan and Bespa on their YouTube channel, Unearthing the Supernatural. Keep up with OC Paracon 2023 news and announcements on Facebook.com slash OC Paracon or www.ocparacon.com. Like this show? Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss any new episodes. Tell your friends about us. Just warn them that this show is not the same old paranormal. This is Paranormal Perception. Paranormal Perception is produced by 22 Creations Multimedia, LLC. Yeah.